0: The Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again. Great to have you back here on the Mind for Life podcast. It is so good to be able to talk with you. And on this podcast, just for those of you who don't know, what we try to do is help you to learn, think, and live a little bit better. So this past year, 2018, we started a, I guess you could say, a long drawn out personal development series titled the 52 Essential Skills for success in life and business. And basically what I've done is I've looked at some of the things uh, that I believe are necessary. What are the skills you might say? What are the characteristics that you need to be able to be successful in life and in business? And I'm not talking about vocational skills or how to operate a computer or technical skills or anything like that. I'm talking about maybe inherent characteristics things that you need to possess, qualities in your life. And so we've talked about things like self-confidence, and we've talked about things like adaptability and living a life of balance and enthusiasm. And all of those I've written articles on, uh, we've recorded podcasts on. You can find them on our website, mindforlife.org. And you can also, if you're interested, join us on the journey. I am by no means saying that I have reached the top, Um, but what I am doing is endeavoring in my own life to walk down this road myself, to look at my own life and to ask myself, what are the things that I'm good at? Where are the areas that I'm strong? What are the characteristics or qualities that I possess in good quantity And what are the ones that I'm lacking? What are the ones that I need to work on? And so for me, it's a great journey to be able to investigate some of these qualities and characteristics to ask maybe some deeper questions about them. In other words, where does enthusiasm, for example, come from that emotion? How does it arise in our life? Um, Is it conditioned from the past? Does it have to do with our likes, our desires? Where do those come from? So those things are interesting to me. And to learn more about each one of them has been a great, great journey for me and a great experience. And I hope you've been enjoying walking through it with me. But you can join with us in a little bit more deliberate manner by downloading our 52 Essential Skills assessment. And in that assessment, I basically give a short description of each one of these essential skills and give you an opportunity to rate yourself uh, from one to five on how well you do or how great um, a capacity that you possess that quality. I encourage you also to print off another version and give it to someone that knows you very well, that can assess you realistically, a friend, a spouse, a mentor or someone like that, and then kind of compare notes. I also give you an opportunity to list the top 10 that you do well in and also list the bottom 10, and that gives you an idea of where you need to grow. And so you can kind of compare notes with where you think you are and where other people think you are. So that assessment you can download at mindforlife.org slash Two. That's the page where the show notes for this program will be. That enables you to download the assessment. And then also you can join us in our Facebook group. So what we do there is throughout the week as I'm studying and looking through each of these skills, I will post resources and we have discussion about the topic of the week or whatever the skill is that we're working on that week. This past week, we've talked about friendliness, and we're going to talk about that more. And so uh, we'd love to have you join our group and join with us and kind of be a part of the discussion and be a part of the conversation, if you will, as we develop knowledge and grow together on each of these 52 essential skills. And the link for that is also located at mindforlife.org slash too. All right, let's get right into it. Why should you be friendly? Why should you be friendly? Why is friendliness maybe what you would consider one of the 52 essential skills? Well, here's one reason. Not the only reason, but one reason. One reason why friendliness, I believe friendliness is an essential skill is because friendliness gives you Maybe you could call it social capital with other people. Friendliness gives you social capital with other people. What do I mean by social capital? Think of it like this. Think of your relationships with other people. And in life, you have to, unfortunately, maybe for some of you, You have to have relationships with other people and a lot of your success or how far you go or how much you achieve or how fulfilled your life is, uh, is dependent upon, to a certain extent, other people. It's not just dependent upon you. You have to go through life. You have to live with other people. If you're in a relationship with someone, um, the relationship matters. What takes place between you matters. How the other person sees you and perceives you matters. And so think of it like a a bank account. Uh, They talk about this in interpersonal, deep interpersonal relationships or marriage relationships, that you have this thing called an emotional bank account. And every person, if you want to think about it, is keeping a running tab of their emotional or social capital that they have with you. Everything you do that they perceive as good for them um, is like a deposit in that bank account. So when you compliment someone, for example, when you tell them how great they are, when you do things for them, when you're friendly toward them, when you are nice to them, when you are caring to them, all of those are deposits that you make into that emotional social capital bank account that you hold with that person. But at the same time, there's withdrawals. So every time you're mean, every time you lose your temper, every time you denigrate someone or, um, disrespect them. Every time you're unfriendly or mean and nasty towards them, you make withdrawals from that bank account. And so there's this running, you know, maybe subjective perception of how that social capital, how that emotional bank account rests with each person in your life at each particular time. And at some times you may have a high balance with some people in your life. At the same time, you might have a low balance because of things that you've done towards that person that have caused them to dislike you or their perception of you has been lowered because of maybe you've yelled at them, maybe you've criticized them, unfair, maybe you've been mean, maybe you didn't show up for an appointment, maybe you're consistently late, whatever. So those balances rise and fall. Well, here's what happens. When those balances reach zero... And when you start to like demand more from other people than you're able to give to other people, they lose patience with you and your relationship suffers. If you're in a marriage and your emotional bank account with your spouse is at zero that thing is on thin ice. And it's like, you know, you've ever wondered why they talk about, well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, it wasn't the straw that, but, you know, you might've said, oh, I was late for dinner and, you know, there's such a small thing, but that was the thing that, well, what happened is the emotional bank account, right? That social capital had reached zero and maybe it was in the negative. And eventually one thing you missed, you missed dinner, you said something about, you know, this or that, and that, Broke the bank, so to speak. And so friendliness, I'm not talking about just being nice. Because nice to me is is surface. Nice is a facade that we put on. Nice is a mask that we put on to, you know, kind of, I guess you could say, grease the wheels of our acquaintances or our relationships. And so I'm not talking about niceness, uh niceness also because it is so surfacy because it is so such a facade what niceness does is it causes us to say things maybe that aren't true just to kind of like maintain peace we say things that we may not really believe because we don't want to upset the apple cart right we we will lie in other words because we don't want to cause friction or cause conflict Niceness sometimes causes us to to deceive other people. Now, I'm talking about friendliness. I'm talking about goodness. I'm talking about kindness. And these are rich and deep words and characteristics and traits that go way beyond the surface level of niceness. Because if you're a friend, if you're friendly, if you're kind, if you're good, you're going to say things to people in a way that in a specific way that they'll be able to receive it. But you're going to say things that they need to hear. You're not just going to brush those things under the carpet to be nice. And so friendliness, kindness, goodness as a character trait, that invests social capital, if you will, in other people. When you're friendly towards someone it builds up that bank account. When you compliment someone, when you do good to someone, when you say even maybe something that's hard to someone in a way that they can receive it, in a way that they perceive as you really care about them, you're really concerned about them, you don't want to destroy them and tell them what a jerk they are, tell them off or whatever, but you want to build them up and you want to encourage them, you want to help them improve, right? That's an investment into that emotional bank account. That's an investment of social capital with that person. And you need to do that with the people that are close to you, right? You want to try to, if you want to think of it in an economic terms, you want to maintain positive balances with all your relationships that are important. And this doesn't mean, oh, I just write down a list of, I need to go and Say something positive about someone each day, right? To check it off a list like it's a duty. No, it needs to be a characteristic, a trait inside of you. You're not just walking through a list of checking off the compliments that I said to make sure that I am putting my deposits in. Although that is a good thing, and many people won't write like think about. Oh, they're just doing that, whatever. You know, they're being fake about it. No, people will will appreciate that. But but really, it needs to go deeper than that. It just it needs to be a quality, a way that you act, an authentic response to other people that you have to have in your own life. So friendliness, developing that characteristic, developing that trait is important because it makes your relationships with other people. And to some extent, some might even say to a great extent, your success in life, your success in business is dependent upon your relationships with other people. If you think you can just Go and run roughshod over people, and dictate the terms in a dictatorly uh, from from like a dictator perspective to other people, and not care about them, and just kind of step on them, and try to reach your way to the top. I promise you, it's not going to go well for you. You may reach the top, and there are people that are jerks that have stepped on people all the way up the corporate ladder and reached, if you might even say, the very pinnacle of their field. I don't consider that success. Some might, some might, but I think if you get to the top and if you're a jerk on the way up, guess what? You're going to be a jerk at the top and people might respect the fact that you reached the top, but they won't respect you as a person. They might respect what you've done and appreciate it, but we all know those people, especially today that have reached the pinnacle and we look at them and go, well, they made it to the top, but they're a jerk. I don't respect them. And so, uh, friendliness, I think, is a characteristic. The other side of it is this. Friendliness really leads to likability. Friendliness really leads to likability. And likability, likability is one of the six, I guess you could say, the six keys of influence Robert Cialdini wrote a book called Influence and I guess you can say it's the gold standard on the psychology of persuasion when we persuade, when we try to persuade people Right when we try to get them to do what we want or to buy a product from us or to go to this movie instead of that movie or whatever it may be, when we try to persuade people, um, likability is one of the six keys. One of the reasons why we do things that other people ask us to do, one of the reasons we allow other people to persuade us is because we like them. Cialdini says that, as a rule, we most prefer to say yes to the requests of someone we know and like. that's That shouldn't be surprising. That's why everybody that tries to sell us something, if you go to a car dealership, that, that person, that salesperson is trying to be likable. They're trying to help you to like them. And some of them are pretty good at it. Um, in fact, if we think someone's a jerk, we're We tend to not want to be around them. We're we're not going to buy anything from them just because we don't like them. They could have the greatest deal. They could have the greatest product. But if we don't like them, if we think they're a jerk, we're not going to buy the product. So likability is one of the reasons why people have influence, one of the reasons why we have influence. When people like you, you have more influence to be able to persuade them. And so, friendliness not only does it contribute to social capital, in other words, making deposits and keeping those bank accounts uh, in a positive position, but friendliness also contributes greatly to likability. And when you're likable, when people like you, they're more pers- they're more uh, persuaded to do what you ask. And you know, people will manipulate that. That's what salespeople do. People will try to be likable to manipulate you to buy products. And, you know, you watch the videos, you see the commercials and you look at and you see these people and you go, man, they're very likable. And that's what they capitalize on. They want to be likable because they know that likability helps other people to buy from them. It's, it's a Big factor in persuasion. And so, if they're likable, if they come off very likable on camera or in the commercial or in person when you're talking to them, they have a greater chance of being able to persuade you to buy something from them. And it works on the same way. When you're likable, other people are more likely to do what you ask them to do. And so, uh, friendliness, goodness, kindness as a character trait is important, and I think it's an essential skill. It is something you need to have a successful life when you talk about your relationships with other people and to do well in business. Because When people like you, they're more willing to do business with you. Sometimes we have to do business with people we hate, with jerks. And guess what? We all know it is a brutal burden. We know what it's like to have to work with people who are jerks and to have to deal with them every day and have to go in and have to work with that. It's just draining, right? So when you're likable, when you like to be around the people that you work with, and when they like to be around you, it's going to create a greater environment and a more successful environment in that sense. So friendliness contributes to that. Now, here's what I want to say. How can you learn to be friendly? What are some things that you can implement in your life in order to learn how to be friendly? The first thing is this I think it is so important that you see people for who they really are. That's the very first step. In order to be friendly, you need to recognize the people around you as people who have worth, who have value that are human beings with feelings and concerns. Many times we look at the people around us as objects. We see them as just these objects that are in the orbit around our own universe, right? That are circling the star of us, (laughs) if you will. And one of the interesting things about human perception is that because of our sight, we always see things around us from a specific point of view, our own. Everything we see in life, we see in relation to us. It has to do with the fact that our eyes are beaming out of our own head, and not from somewhere outside of ourselves. It's just the part of having a body. Our eyes see things, and we automatically situate everything else in our world in relationship to ourself. Everything in the world, including other people, is placed into context, and that context is the environment that has to do primarily with us. What does it mean to recognize someone else? One of the beautiful things about human beings is we have the ability with our thoughts to step outside of ourselves and to think from someone else's perspective, right? You don't get this with animals, right? The wolf doesn't think, hmm, I wonder what that antelope or what that deer is thinking, right they don't try to put the wolf doesn't try to put itself in the deer's shoes and to try to think of it from the deer's perspective the wolf just sees itself sees its world and does what it does on instinct but human beings are different we have the capacity intellectually to step outside of ourselves to try to get into the shoes, if you will, of another person to see things from their perspective. Not only that, we have the opportunity and we have the ability to see people as they really are. Martin Buber, who was a prominent philosopher, they called him a phenomenologist, um, he, tr- he talked about this and he gave what he called two primary words, that there are two primary words when it comes to how we relate in our perception of others. There is the word I thou, which looks at our relationship from the perspective of me as a subject and you as a subject. That you are a person with value, that you are a person that has your own perspective and your own beliefs, and those perspectives and beliefs and values are different than mine, and I recognize that, and I attune myself to that, I, thou, and then the other word is I, it, that means me and you are, me is subject and you are object, you're just an it, you're just a thing in my universe. And when we look at everybody as I, it's, as I, it's, he would call that maybe an inauthentic relationship. And so the I, thou perspective is one that recognizes people for who they are as authentic subjects, as human beings who have value, not because of anything they've done, not because of what they can do for us or what they can give to us, that's an objective perspective, but because they're human, because they're people. We see people when we see people from an I-thou perspective as human beings who have value and who have worth, not because of anything other than the fact that it is inherent within their humanity. And if we can find a way to see people like that, from an I-thou perspective, that automatically, maybe you could say, transforms how we treat them. Um, There's a great essay by C.S. Lewis called The Weight of Glory. And in that essay, he talks about what it means, what glory means and from cs lewis's perspective you know he views humanity um of course he was uh, a christian and he was under, uh, he understood that human beings are eternal and so he thought um listen the only thing in this world that will outlive this world is human beings kingdoms will fall buildings will turn to dust. The world will come to an end. But from Lewis's perspective, human souls are eternal. And those people that you walk by every day, from Lewis's perspective, are eternal. They will live forever. And in that, there is a glory. There is a value And Lewis also believed, you know, from a Christian perspective, that uh, at one point, uh, at some day in the future, you will be transformed into a different person, right? The, The Christian perspective is that you will receive an eternal body, a new body. And Lewis said, hey, that person that you're sitting next to on the bus or that you're sitting next to on the subway, someday you're going to look at that person. And, and if you saw them in that glorified state, you would almost be, tem- you would be tempted to bow down and worship them because they would be so glorified and beautiful that that person that you're sitting next to in that glorified state. And so it's important to try to get an understanding of who people really are, that there is a value in humanity. There is a worth in being a human being. And if we can see people, even the people that we walk by every day, and I think this is one of the problems that you know some people have, is we objectify people. The illegal immigrant, we objectify them. The stranger, we objectify them. We're afraid of them. They're just objects in our universe. Rather, we should look at them as authentic human beings with value and worth and find ways to treat them that way. So, the first step to being friendly is to change the way you see other people, even the people that you don't like, right? If you can see them as authentic subjects, even the boss that's a jerk, or even the coworker that's a jerk, if you can kind of step above and look at them from that perspective and say, "Yeah, they're a jerk," but you know, deep down inside there, there's a human being. Uh, there was a little kid that grew up and maybe had some difficult times, and you know, they went through this life, and here they are today. And you can look at them from that perspective and say, and, and attribute value to them, regardless of their behavior. If you can do that, that's one of the first steps. To being friendly. The second one is this: don't criticize, condemn, or complain. In his legendary book, and you've heard of it, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie gives what I would call sage advice on how friendliness can make you a great person. And he talks about learning how not to criticize or condemn other people for their failings and shortcomings. Now, this is Very much the opposite of what we see in our, I guess you could say, social discourse today. Everybody, everybody is... Shredding someone or ripping someone or tearing someone down or criticizing someone or condemning. You can go to celebrities. You can go to politicians. You can go to sports stars. You can go to people on social media or on Twitter. It's easy to be critical. Maybe it's human nature. But everybody, and and my professor said this. Any idiot can have an opinion. (laughs) I wonder why it is that so many feel that that it's their uh, right and they need to broadcast their opinions as the ultimate answer to any question while at the same time criticizing someone else as being stupid. Um, But learning how to criticize, uh, excuse me, learning how to not criticize when it's easy to do so. And I think part of the reason why we criticize so easily is because we operate from an I-it perspective. Those things we criticize are just objects. And if, we, if we thought of them as human beings, with feelings, with families, with lives, with tragedies and struggles and victories and successes, if we recognize them in the same way that we recognize ourselves, we might be a little bit less apt to be critical. Carnegie learned how not to condemn, criticize, or complained from several examples. And one of the ones was Abraham Lincoln, right? Abraham Lincoln in his life learned this lesson early. Uh, at one point he was so mad at somebody. Um, he wrote this anonymous letter and published it in the newspaper and just ruthlessly, you know, mocked this person. Uh, well, that person found out who it was and it almost led to a duel, right? Um, Fortunately, it was averted because the seconds, the people that were stand-ins, kind of stepped in to stop it. But Lincoln learned a valuable lesson from that time, and that was he didn't want to criticize people. He didn't want, Now, that doesn't mean that he wasn't mad at people. That doesn't mean that he wasn't you know upset when people did things wrong. In fact, many cases, he would write letters to just kind of get out his frustrations and tell people off the way he wanted to, but he would never send them. He'd never vocalize that. When Benjamin Franklin was asked about the secret to handling people, he said, I will speak ill of no man and speak all the good I know of everyone. As Carnegie said, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do. I like this quote from the English novelist Thomas Hardy. He said, a great man shows his greatness by the way he treats little men. And it begs this question. If great men treat little men with greatness, what does it say about men or women who treat people with disrespect, contempt, and dishonor? How you treat other people reflects on the person that you are. How great can someone be if they treat everyone else as if they were below them? Now, Let me say this, not criticizing someone doesn't mean not confronting them about their errors, not telling people what needs to be said, not having the hard conversation. But if you approach it from an I-thou perspective, if you look at that person with feelings and you really genuinely have a concern for them and you care about them as a human being, You know that every interaction that you have with that person is contributing to either better their own humanity or to make it worse. And so sometimes you have to have hard conversations. You have to tell people what needs to be said, but it's how you do it. If you do it from an I-thou perspective, from an authentic, caring perspective, a compassionate perspective, you can say the hard things. And there's ways to... You know, personalize that when you say it so that you don't um, cause them to be defensive. And we'll talk about more on this skill a little bit later in this course when we talk about communication. But to talk about the behavior and the action rather than saying you're a jerk. You know you acted this way, and this is something you did rather than this is who you are, right? There's ways to do that, there's ways to be courteous, and I think of it also from this perspective, and it's a great quote from Jesus in the New Testament scriptures. He said, "Hey, why don't you take the log out of your own eye first before going to reach for specks in someone else's eye and Let's be honest, there's a lot of logs that we have sticking out of our eyeballs, right? And maybe we should be concerned about the logs first rather than looking out for specs. So don't criticize, don't condemn, don't complain. It makes you a little person. It doesn't mean don't say the hard things, doesn't mean don't confront with care and compassion, but how you do it is important. And then the last thing I think is this, learn how to give a compliment. How can you be friendly? First of all, you look at people as they really are, as an authentic subject, as a thou, as a person with value, with feelings. Secondly, you don't criticize, condemn, or complain. It makes you less of a person. When you do that, it makes people like you less. The third thing is be positive. Learn how to give a compliment. It's easy to be critical, as we've said. And some of us have that wonderful gift of easily being able to point out someone else's flaws, and we overlook those logs, as I just said. But for some reason, we find it difficult to tell someone how good they are. Or when they did something great, to tell them about it and compliment. Why is that? Maybe it has to do with our own insecurities Maybe we think that when we praise someone or compliment something for something they're good at, that it belittles us or it belittles our own abilities. You know, they say that other people tear people down to make themselves look better. Well, maybe when we build someone up in an opposite type of way, we feel like it maybe belittles us. And it shouldn't. We shouldn't feel that way. You know, when you tell someone how good they are, that doesn't diminish who you are as a person. And so maybe you need to develop a little self-confidence. And if so, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast on building self-confidence. And there's an article as well on that building, how to build self-confidence, how to build more self-confidence. So maybe it has to do with insecurity. Maybe it also has to do with something we're not used to doing, right? In fact, I read a study that says in our vocabulary, actually in our language, we have more words that express negative emotions than positive ones. Why is that? Why are there more words to express negative emotions than there are words to express positive ones? I don't know, but there are. Maybe we have a proclivity to pessimism or negativity, maybe we have something that causes us to lean towards criticism as opposed to encouragement, maybe it's a part of our nature, whatever it is, you need to learn how to be positive. You need to learn how to give a compliment. You need to learn how to make deposits in other people's emotional bank accounts. Dr. John Gottman was a world-renowned researcher. He worked a lot with marital stability and marital relationships. And here's what he said, which is an interesting statistic. There's a ratio of positive messages to negative messages in relationships that needs to be maintained in order to have a stable relationship, a, a good relationship, if you want to call it a successful relationship. And that ratio is this five positive to every one negative. So in order for you to have good, healthy, enjoyable, fulfilling relationships with people around you, with the people that are close to you, you need to have a ratio that you say five positive messages for every one negative. Now, we don't do that. And maybe that's why our relationships are in this you know, kind of instability. And if you have relationships that are in this instability that you're always wondering whether or not the thing's going to last or whatever, I'm going to encourage you to change the ratio of positive to negative messages in that relationship. You start sharing positive things about the other person. You change intentionally your vocabulary and your messaging to the other person so that you're giving out five positive messages for every one negative. If you say a negative, then you need to make a red flag of that and start to think of five positive things that you need to say and see if the relationship doesn't change and see if the other person doesn't change in response. Learn how to give a compliment. Why is it that negative messages have so much more power and potency than positive ones? I'm going to give you my own psychoanalysis. Deep down, I think we all have fears that haunt us at the depth of our being. We have insecurities. We wonder, we long, we ask, do people really, really love us or accept us or like us? And negative messages show and reinforce that fear that they don't. And so you need so much more positive messaging to overcome, and to build up, uh, and to fight against those deep, dark fears that we hold at the depth of our being. And so, one of the ways that you can learn to be more positive and more friendly is by giving a compliment, and make sure that it's authentic, and make sure that it's specific, not some phony thing make sure it's real. You can write it in a card. You can send it in a message. It's even more, uh, more, it even has more power. It has more weight when you walk up to someone and you tell them to their face, how much you appreciate them. What a great job they did. How thankful you are to have them on the team. How thankful you are to have them in your life, right? Those things, they just give so much power. And in a world where we're bombarded by negativity, Right, Everywhere you look, people are negative. It stands to reason that the people in your life need someone who's going to give them a good dose of compliments. So do it. If you're going to be generous in one thing, be generous in handing out compliments to other people. Don't be stingy in that. Tell people how good they are. Tell them how much you appreciate them and see if it doesn't even make you smile a little bit more yourself. So friendliness an essential skill. You need it for your relationships, both business and your personal life. Again, if you're not likable, people don't want to do business with you. If you're not likable, people don't want to be around you. If you're not likable, your friendships, your relationships will suffer. Being friendly is as simple as seeing people for who they really are stepping outside of yourself, right? And seeing them as an authentic individual, as a thou instead of as an it. Being friendly is not criticizing, not condemning not complaining about other people, right? It's about pulling the logs out of your own eye first. It's about recognizing your own failings, your own shortcomings, your own faults. It's not about not being truthful and not saying the hard things when you need to, but it's about you know having a little grace when it comes to that relationship, not being critical. And then finally, it's learning how to be able to tell people how valuable they really are, to hand out compliments, to be generous in your praise and in your encouragement. Well, I hope this has been beneficial for you. Thank you for listening. And if you are interested in joining the 52 Essential Skills course with us and walking down this personal development journey, we'd love to have you. All of that information, along with some of the resources and the books that I've mentioned in this podcast can be found at the show notes page for this episode. That is mindforlife.org slash 052. Go out today. Give someone a compliment. Don't be critical and look at other people from a different perspective. Thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you next time.